Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. Hi, it's Susie. As we prepare for season two of the Women in Money podcast, Sarah, my co-host, and I wanted to share some highlights from season one. So this coming Sunday is Mother's Day. So what a perfect time to dedicate this entire podcast to moms and money. Because moms, money is really, really important, especially when you have children. But somehow, I don't think you give it the attention that it needs to be given in terms of taking care of yourself first. But money, especially for moms, has to be a focus in your life and a priority because as a mom, what happens to your money not only affects the quality of your life, but it also affects the quality of your child's life. And for me, I'll never forget this one time when I was giving a talk and there were like 5,000 people in the audience and the talk was all about the energy of money and how money is the financial foundation of life. And all of a sudden, one woman was waving her hand, and the mic went to her and said, Susie Orman, I absolutely disagree with you. She said, money doesn't matter. All that matters in life is this. And with that, she took out her wallet. And she showed it to everybody. And she said, this is a picture of my child. This is what matters. Money doesn't matter. And I looked at her from the stage and I said, then let me ask you a question. How were you able to purchase the wallet that the picture was in? What did it take to purchase that? And she went, money. I said, what did it take for you to be able to get a camera to take the picture of your child? And she said, money. And I said, what do you need to feed your child, to clothe your child, to house your child, to take care of your child if it gets sick? And she went, money. And I said, so are you just so sure? Are you so sure that money isn't the financial foundation of life? Because without money, how do you live? How do you take care of yourselves? So I'm not saying that kids don't matter and people don't matter, but I am saying that money is a very, very important topic. And it's a topic that every single one of us needs to understand in terms of how important it is in every one of our lives. So I just ask you to think about that, to digest it. Now we're going to Sarah, who has some questions for me. Girlfriend, how are you? 
Hi, Susie. I'm doing great. I'm uh, really excited. This is my first Mother's Day, so it was really fun for me to get to reach out to my new community of moms and ask them what questions they have for you. So, yes, I've got a bunch of questions from moms. Are you ready to get started? I am, but not quite this second because this is a special thing that's happening to you. I mean, do you realize that there's only one time in your life when it's the first the first Mother's Day. What does that mean? What does that feel like? You know, I've started to get a little bit emotional about it, to be honest with you. And Kevin and I have been trying to figure out how we were going to spend the day. But most important, I said to him, I just want to make sure that the day is clear for you, me and Charlie to spend time outside in the sunshine and have some good smiles and some good laughs and be together. That's what matters to me most. And does it feel different for you, Sarah, now being a mother than being a daughter? Does it give you any different perspective in terms of your relationship with your mom? You know, it's so funny. Um, I am very much thinking about how I'm going to tell my mom how much I appreciate her. She... um, You know, I think throughout my life, my siblings would say this too. Mom and Sarah are always fighting about something. But at the end of the day, it's because I think she knew I could handle a whole lot of stuff. And I knew she could handle a lot of stuff. And in a lot of ways, we're very, very similar. Um, When little Charlie came and came five weeks early, my mom was right there, right by my side, didn't leave my side for weeks, dropped everything to be here and support me. And I just didn't realize how much I really relied on her my entire life until I have my own child to look at and see how much my own child's relying on me. So even in the times of me calling my mom at random hours for a little bit of advice or being upset with her because me thinking that she treated my siblings better than me, um, I've really come to understand and appreciate the power of this mother-daughter relationship that is very different than any other relationship I have in my life. It's just so fascinating, all these relationships, especially with children, when you're a mom, are really amazing. All right, girlfriend, ask me the first question. Okay, listen, we need to just put this question to bed, Susie. I have maybe 70% of the questions when I reached out to my network were about 529 accounts. They want to know how much money they should invest, what state 529 account they should use, how should they be thinking about this, what should they be doing. To be honest, in general, there was almost like a sense of panic as soon as the baby arrived. We need to save for college right now. What do you tell these moms? Well, first of all, moms, what you need to understand is can you afford to be saving for your child's college education if you yourself aren't saving for your own future. Like, are you fully funding your retirement account? Do you have an eight-month emergency fund? Do you own a home? Are you doing the things that you need to do to take care of yourself? And so many times, Sarah, what happens is it's almost as if moms stop existing and that the only thing that matters in their life is their children. And as time goes on, What's really important is that the kids, as they get older, really feel so bad if mom has given up her life for them and they don't even know what they want their life to be. But let's just assume that 
mom has her act together. She has everything financially planned and she really can afford to put money away in a college savings program. What should she do? One of the best out there, as you said, people are asking is a 529 college savings program. And there are two types. There are the prepaid accounts where you prepay an amount and you know you're going to have enough money in there to go to a specific school or where you literally put money in an account, save it, it gets invested for you. And then later on in life, you use it towards the college that you want. To put it simply, however, because I think we need to do an entire show on this because Every state has its own regulation, tax write-off, thing like that. The best thing, moms, you can do is go to savingforcollege.com. That is a website by Joseph Hurley, who, in my opinion, is the nation's expert on college savings plans. Go there, look at all the states, look to see which one makes sense for you. But that is where I would go to find the best information for a 529 plan. Next question. So a mom called Jana, she's a stay-at-home mom. She does not earn money. She wants to be more involved in the finances, but since her husband is the earner, she feels that she has no right to speak up, but she's ready to try. So she wants to know how she should approach the conversation. What should she set as her goal or goals to get out of the conversation? Mm. It's questions like this, Sarah, that break my heart. Because whoever said that the power resides with the one who makes the most money? I mean, what century are we talking about here? Every single one of us is powerful, whether we make money, whether we don't make money. And for a relationship to work, Jana, you have to have a 50-50 say in every single thing that happens. And you cannot look at this as it's his money or her money or her money and your money. It's got to be our money. So normally, your husband or your spouse or whoever it is should be honoring you with that. So my real concern is, what is your spouse doing, if anything, that's making you feel so powerless? Or are you yourself rendering yourself powerless? Because somewhere in your head, you have this notion that you just don't have any power because you're not making money. You need to sit down with your spouse and you need to say, I'm feeling powerless and I don't like it. I want us to pay the bills together. I want us to be involved in the investments together. I want to feel like an equal partner with you in every aspect of the money. I want to know if you die, how much money do we have? Do we have life insurance? Do you have a will? Do you have a trust? Will I be taken care of? These are things that are your right to know. So what you want to get out of this conversation is a sense that what you want for yourself is something that your spouse wants for you equally as well. And if you're not getting that, I'm here to tell you, chances are this relationship will not last. That's the answer to that one, Sarah. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think you're right. I think that Everyone needs a seat at the table when it comes to the finances of the family. And 
you know, just because she's a stay-at-home mom does not mean she's not making a powerful contribution to the family that should be valued like a job. The other thing is, when you are a stay-at-home mom, are you kidding me? That is the hardest job in the world. Far harder. You don't get to take coffee breaks. You don't get to have a lunch break. It is a 24-hour-a-day job, seven days a week, and there is no vacation from it. And so, therefore, it's also very important, stay-at-home moms, that you shouldn't have to ask for money. That it should be set up that not that you're getting an allowance. No, no. That you get the any amount of money that you want. You sit down with your spouse and you decide, all right, this is how much money is coming in. This is what we have left after we have paid the bills. And now we have extra money. I would like extra money of $1,000 a month or 2000 a month, or whatever it may be, so that you can do anything you want without you feeling like you have to ask for it. But for you to have a powerful relationship and a successful relationship, ladies, you have got to feel that power inside, and you have got to have the courage to speak up. Next question, my friend. Okay, Lindsay, here's what she says, Susie. She says she barely makes more than the cost of child care after taxes, but she loves to work. She loves it. Her husband says she should think about staying home, but she's afraid of losing her identity and her voice. How does she manage this decision? It's an easy decision. She already said so. Lindsay, you said you love what you do. It's your husband that says to you, stay at home. Why? Simply because you're barely making ends meet. It's not all about money. It's about inner wealth. It's about you doing something that makes you feel relevant. I remember growing up, you know, my mama was a secretary and she sold Avon on the side. And sometimes she had to take me to work with her. And I am telling you, there was such a difference. And I could feel it as a little girl that when mommy would leave the house and we would finally get to where she worked and she would walk in, I would see a woman that I didn't even know existed. She was powerful and she was valuable and she walked with this pride. And that was during these days that they had these switchboards that you had to take one plug out of one where to, to make all these phone calls work. And I remember she was so proud because she typed 120 words a minute and she could take shorthand. And then we would go back home again and she would become this woman who had no power. And as a little girl, I could see. Oh, mama's different when she goes to work. It's a great thing to get to go to work because you get to be who you want to be. So don't forget that I just told you that story, Lindsay. You can always figure out ways to cut your expenses, make more money, whatever it may be. But it's really hard if you give up something you love simply to stay at home. The person who's going to feel it is your child because you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to be the powerful woman you want. And you're going to end up hurting yourself, your child and your relationship. Next question, my Sarah. Okay. Debbie asks, is there a tangible way we can teach our children the basics of investing in the stock market? Like what about purchasing one share of stock and showing kids how to learn whatever the value is? Has it gone up? Has it gone down? I don't know if you remember, but I remember the stock market game when I was in elementary school and, and I had a lot of fun with it. What, what do you think about this? Well, here's the thing. You played the game. 
You played it where it was a game and you probably had pretend money. You didn't actually invest in the stock market, but you pretended, did you not, to buy stock and what did it do and what did it not do? Yeah, we we had to read the newspaper. Rather than them taking their own money and either succeeding or losing to play the game like Sarah did. Pretend with money, pretend with monopoly money, make fake money and say, let's let's choose some stocks that we should buy. And if you can choose stocks that you like and they go up or they go down, maybe we'll go out to dinner. We'll do this. We'll do that. But there's nothing wrong with you playing the game versus investing real money. All right, Susie, I'm going to turn the tables on you and I want to get a little personal. I want to talk to you about you and your mom and what are your memories or your most memorable moment with your mom and money and how did it impact you? Were you young when it happened? Were you older? Tell me about your relationship with your mom and money. Yeah. You know, everybody, I had a strange relationship with my mom and money. And what was interesting is when I was younger, I was so close to my mom all the way through college. And then after college, I was a waitress, as you know, for seven years. She could relate to that. And as soon as, however, I started to become a stockbroker, a financial advisor, and I started to make money, my mom started to change on me. And our relationship started to change a little bit. And when I became really famous, all of a sudden, my relationship with my mom totally changed. It was as if she felt like all I was was this celebrity And she felt bad that I made more money than my brothers did, because in her head, it was my brothers who should be making more money than me, because I was a woman. And what hurt me the most and the most memorable thing, and I don't know if I'll ever get over it, was that it was during a Thanksgiving dinner, and I had moved my mom out to Florida from Chicago because my mom now was getting old. She was in her late 80s, early 90s. And so it was Thanksgiving, and we were all at my aunt's house, my mom's sister, who lived here, and my uncle and all the cousins and my brothers, we were all there. And they started to talk about, my brothers did, about how much they love getting a birthday present from my mom. And I said, wait a minute, you get a birthday present from mom? I said, mom, how come you never send me a birthday gift? And she said, well, what have you ever done for me? And The entire table was totally silent because everybody at that table knew that I was spending twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month on my mom. And all told, over the seven years that I did that, I spent over two million dollars on my mother. And I just looked at her and I said, Really? And my brothers didn't say anything, nobody said anything. And I just looked at her and I said, you're right, mom. I really don't do anything for you, do I? It was at that moment that I realized, and ladies, we should all remember this. Even though that hurt me to my core, and it still hurts me to this day, because in her mind, she credited my brothers for taking care of her, not me, even though it was me. It is very important that we treat our moms with the respect that they deserve. And we never forget that as they get older, 
that they are so afraid because they are facing death right in their face. You know, my mama died when she was 97. She knew her death was coming. And therefore, she had to do whatever she needed to do in her own mind to be able to just get through and be okay with her own life. So it's at that point in our relationships with our moms that we shouldn't get angry. We shouldn't say anything other than, I love you, mom, and understand that they are being irrational and let them be irrational. Don't try to fix them. Don't try to change them. All I ask of you is to love them up until the moment that they die. Because if you don't, I can promise you that after they are gone, you're going to say, why did I do that? My mom wasn't in her right mind. Why did I even care? You don't have to prove yourselves anymore. You just have to love her for everything that she has done for you. Wow, it's incredible. I know that you've had such a great relationship with your mom your whole life. There's no way she thought that that was the impact she was having on you. You know, she wasn't trying to make you feel badly. Sarah, I have to tell you, I disagree with you. I think my mom knew exactly what she was doing, believe it or not. My mom was a smart little cookie. (laughs) She wanted her. See, because here we are as women. Do you know what you just did, Sarah? You tried to save another woman. And I call that false compassion. We don't have to make a wrong a right. We just have to understand it. It was wrong what my mom did. And it would never be right. And it doesn't matter. What matters is that I understood my own worth, that I knew what was true for myself, and that I was able to still love her through her faults, to love her through her anger. And it doesn't even matter why somebody does something, Sarah. What matters is how do we let it affect us as women, as moms, as daughters? How do we make it so that We're always okay, no matter what somebody else thinks about us, what somebody else says about us, even if it's our mom. And that we always come from a place of love for ourselves first, and therefore understanding of others' shortcomings, especially if they're an elderly person. But don't make it that it's okay. Don't give her an excuse. It doesn't matter why she did it. Sarah, it wasn't right. It just wasn't right. You don't need to save my mom. You need to always save yourself. You know, Susie, when you're right, you're right. Now it's time to go to our caller. Let me tell you a little bit about Margaret. She's 54 years old from Rhode Island. She's the mother to a very sweet 16-year-old boy and an entrepreneur. She owns her own personal branding company. Sadly, this Mother's Day, she's working through a divorce and has some questions for you. So with that... Margaret, here's Susie. Girlfriend, ask me your question. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Susie. As Sarah mentioned, I am a mom of a wonderful 16-year-old boy and have recently made that difficult decision to get divorced. So, and we haven't even told our kids yet. It's so new. So I have some questions around what my future is going to look like, and really around my house. We, I recently sold my home. My husband and his kids had moved into the home with me, and he wanted to be on the deed, and I didn't feel comfortable with that. 
so we decided to move together into a new home. And now that we've decided to get divorced, we're I'm not sure what to do with the home. So my questions my question is threefold. Should I well if I if I if I sell this house, will I have to split the down payment with him on this house because I put down the majority of the down payment? My second question is should I sell the house or should I have him buy me out? And my third question is, am I too old to buy another house? <laughs> and how old did you say? Sarah said you were 54, right? No, yes. you are not too old to buy another house. But here's really, Margaret, what we need to talk about, because we can we can fix all this financial stuff. But the thing that really stuck out when you were talking to me is that you didn't want to put his name on the deed of the house that you already owned. But you were willing to sell that house to put his name on the deed of the new house that you were going to buy. And why do I have this feeling that whatever you paid for this house, that you were the one who came up with the entire down payment on the house? Is that correct? That's correct. And how much are we talking about? How much money did you yourself put down? I put down $160,000. Fabulous. How much was the house worth that you purchased? $800,000. All right. And how long ago has it appreciated? You haven't been, you said you just recently did this. So I imagine that the house is probably still worth $800,000. Is that correct? Probably. Um, we right. purchased it six months ago, but the market here is really tight. So it may go up a little bit, but probably not that much. Not that much. So so if you put down the entire down payment before you did this, did you have any discussion with him at all about if this were to happen and you sold how you would divide the money? Did you have that discussion at all or you just went ahead and you did it? I went ahead and did it. Okay. Legally. Legally, you probably own this house in joint tenancy with right of survivorship. And what that means is that he owns 50% of it, you own 50%. So therefore, legally, if you sold this house, he would be entitled to 50% of whatever the sales proceeds are after the commissions to sell it. That's legally. However, you also have legal rights. So over the time that you have been married to him, has he been putting money into a retirement account? Yes. And, and do you know how much he has put into the retirement account over the past two years or however long you've been with him? I don't. You don't. Okay. However, you are entitled to 50% of whatever he has put into that retirement account since you've been married to him. So that oh. money is also yours. So here's what I would say to you. The biggest lesson here is you knew not to do this. You know, just last week on the Women & Money podcast, I had a show called Trusting Your Gut More Than You Trust Others. That if in your gut you have this feeling not to do something, just don't do it. And I gather because you didn't want to put his name on the deed, 
of your original house that in your gut, you didn't want to do this at all, but you were afraid to say no. Is that correct? You're right. Yes. All right. Yes. And, and so that's the biggest lesson you need to learn from this. Obviously, if you put all the money down, what that says is he didn't have any money to put down. You had more money than he had, however you happen to get that. And why do I have this feeling that he probably makes more money than you do? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So the next lesson is this. Just because somebody makes more money doesn't mean that they have more money. It's what you do with the money that you make that that makes all the difference in the world. So I would approach this where, honey, let's have a talk. And I would kind of feel him out. I would say to him, we haven't been together that long. You know, and I know that I put down the down payment money on this house. The house has not appreciated. I'm going to take a loss because if I sell it for $800,000, it's going to be $48,000 in sales commissions just to sell the house. Maybe I'll break even, but I'm going to take a loss here. You really haven't taken any loss whatsoever because you've been living in the house, even though maybe you've been putting money towards the mortgage, that it, that money has all been going towards interest. So the mortgage really hasn't decreased at all at this point in time and say, let's make a trade. You keep everything that you've put in your retirement account. Let me keep the money that I put as a down payment or whatever is remaining after the sale of the house. And let's just do this without having to get angry about it. Now, when I say that to you, do you think that he would go for something like that? Because it's absolutely the right thing to do. Would he go for that? Um, he, he may. He may. I, I'm not sure. Sometimes he can be really um, contentious and tough. And so can you, by the way. So yes. can you. This is not something where you should just say, okay, whatever you want, fine, I'll just do it and I'll go to my little corner like a good little girl. Oh, no, no. On this Mother's Day, you're going to give yourself the gift of power, the gift of standing in your truth. And the truth is you put the money down. He wanted you to do this. You never wanted to do it. And you're willing to go and fight for it. And that he owes you money, too, from his retirement account. Now, if he decides to fight you, then it's going to cost you a lot of money in legal fees and everything else. And that's when you may make a decision that, all right, what amount of money might he go for? So as you're feeling him out, you might want to say, listen, I, you know, we put down 100, I put down 160 and maybe I'm going to get X amount of money out of it. How about if I give you ten dollars or $20,000 from the sale of the house and that's it? And that'll give you enough money to go and find another place to live or rent and take care of yourself. You might want to test him out with something like that and start with smaller amounts of money. Okay, that makes sense. All right. But again, what you have to remember is legally you absolutely have rights. And we, I wish somehow you could find out how much money he has put in his retirement accounts in the time that you have been legally married. Either way, 
even let's just say worst case scenario, he gets $80,000 or 60 or $70,000 from the sale of this house, because when it's all said and done, you know, maybe of your 160,000 after commissions and everything, you're going to get back about 120, maybe $110,000. So you're going to take a loss there either way. Then what's going to happen is, so what? If you split the 50,000 with him, that is not going to make or break you, Margaret. You have got to understand that that may be the cheapest ticket out of here and that you are good with money, you're able to save money, and you'll just be able to build that money up again. At 54 years of age, you are not that old. Anything is still possible. You are young. The outcome can be tremendous independence and tremendous wealth. It might give you that little extra oomph that you needed to work harder or to make more money or to be more independent. But here's the greatest Mother's Day gift that this whole experience can give you for your son. The gift to your son is this, that divorce does not mean the end of one's life, whether it's a first divorce or a second divorce or a third divorce or whatever it may be. It's just a lesson in life that you needed to learn and there's always time to start over. That you have to face it and you never want to stay in a relationship just simply because it's easier to stay even though it's not right. Because he knows he is your son and he knows when something's going on with his mother. He can feel it. He came from you. So bring him into you. Bring him and embrace him and talk with him about things. But Make it so that it's uplifting, not that this is a horrific thing that is happening to you. Because if you looked back on the entire time now that you have been with this man, Margaret, have you been happy, really? No, I actually haven't. No. And don't you now feel like this is coming to an end, that you're going to be free? Yes. And what is the price of freedom, Margaret? What dollar amount do you put on freedom? Right. Yeah, there is no dollar amount. It's the most priceless thing that you can give yourself to go to sleep at night and feel like you're whole. You don't have to change your financial behavior. He, on the other hand, is going to be in serious financial trouble because you were his savior, girlfriend. You were his financial savior. That's why he wanted his name on your house. Got that? Got that. So all we're possibly losing here for you is money. That is not that big of a deal. This was the price that you had to pay for not being willing to own the power to control your destiny and to simply say to him, no, your name isn't going on the deed. If you don't like it, it's not my problem. Why did you do this to yourself? That is the key here. And you did it because you said yes out of fear of what somebody else was going to think about you versus no out of love for yourself, which is the mantra for women and money. You are to say no out of love for yourself versus yes out of fear of what somebody else is going to think. So don't be sad on this day. Be grateful on this day. Be grateful that this is happening to you because you have learned a lesson that is priceless. Now, as I'm saying this all to you, can you tell me how you feel? 
I feel awesome right now. This has been the best Mother's Day gift I could ever imagine, honestly, today. I feel an entire weight has been lifted from my body right now. I just feel, I feel completely different. I have overwhelmed and so just emotionally drained from all of it and just everything that you've said has helped me to let go and to think about it completely differently and I'm so grateful you've totally changed my life no, no, you joke. changed your life. You want to know why you changed yeah. your life? Because you took the time to call in and to be vulnerable and to tell the truth. You're finding your financial voice. That's what changed your life. Not me, you. You did it. Do not pass on your accomplishments and your what's going on with you onto others. You own it this time. You own it. Margaret, it's you. You did this and nobody else but you. As I told you in last week's show, I wanted to end each one of these podcasts with what I am calling a do it moment, something that each and every one of you can do or start to do in this moment that will absolutely change your life. Now, this entire podcast this week was dedicated to moms since this coming Sunday is Mother's Day. But I don't want you just to celebrate yourself once a year. Are you kidding me? I want you to feel like every day is a financial celebration. And you can do that when you have financial security. So this is your do it moment for this podcast. I want you to take one action that will start to create financial security for you, something that you can do in this moment so that your future will be more secure. That can be anything from starting to pay down one credit card debt, starting an eight-month emergency fund, starting a Roth IRA, calling your HR department so that new contributions, rather than going to a traditional 401k, go to a Roth 401k. Maybe having a financial conversation, an honest one with your spouse or with your family. But one thing that you can do to make your life financially secure That is your do it moment. But really, I just want to take this time to wish a happy Mama's Day to every single one of you out there. To my mama who's in heaven now, she would have been 103 years old. Can you believe that? And to every one of you, because if you think about it, if you really think about it, ladies, without you, none of us would exist. Thank you for listening to this special highlight from season one of the Susie Orman Women and Money podcast. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, 
damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.